You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. All right, let's take our Bible this morning and let's turn to Psalm 53. Well, how quickly the weeks go by. Last week we had quite a time here. The cantata and drama in the morning. All I can say is they knocked it out of the park. (laughs) That was absolutely awesome. But best of all, two people made profession of faith as their savior as a result of that. And then Sunday night, Sunday morning we were packed out. Sunday night we were really packed out for the children's Christmas program. And that was another home run. And uh, what a, just what a blessing that it was. And then we had our Christmas Eve service. We had the largest attendance that we've ever had for a Christmas Eve service. And I'll tell you what, it was a very unique Christmas Eve service. And uh, we just so, so enjoyed ourselves. Well, now we're about to enter into a new year. Are you excited? Well, maybe not after this message. I've entitled the message this morning, America Has Changed and We Need to Face It. America has changed. And we as God's people, we need to face it. How many of you remember the story of Ruth there, uh, or excuse me, of Esther in the Old Testament? Remember that? Mordecai came to Esther, and he said these words, Thou art come to the kingdom for a time such as this. God has brought you to this kingdom. God has elevated you as queen for a time like this. And the time was the saving of the nation of Israel. I believe that God has raised us up. It wasn't a mistake that we live in this generation. And God has raised us up. And I believe that God has raised up Fellowship Baptist Church for a time like this. And the time that we see before us is a changing time. The Bible says here in Psalm chapter 53... The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why does he say that? Because they are corrupt, are they? They have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and did seek God. Every one of them. The fallen nature of man, the depravity of man, every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. As we face this new year, one thing that we need to come to grips with is our country is becoming more and more atheistic. Atheism is on the increase in America big time. So let me ask you a question. 
Is there really a God? We should have heard a shout. Is there really a God? And if there is, how do we really know that he exists? Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that lies within you. Our hope as a Christian is in God. So when someone comes to you and asks you about the hope that is within you, if they are an unbeliever, if they are atheistic, and they don't believe that there's a God, how can you show them your faith? How can you reason with them. I think we need to come to grips with that. As we face this new year, we need to realize that we are in changing times, and these times have changed quite rapidly. In many ways, it's very sad. I could give you many, many examples today of the changing times in which we live, but I came across this article. I actually have an app on my phone of CBN News. I've encouraged some of you before to download that app and to read the news from a Christian perspective. And they had this article, and I'll just read to you, TV Guide released, I didn't even know TV Guide even existed. I think the last time I saw a TV Guide was about 20 years ago, but I guess it's still out there. It says, TV Guide released an article on Christmas Day targeting Christian actor Chris Pratt. Now, I had no idea who he was. How many know who Chris Pratt is? It's because you watch too many movies. <laughs> the article was entitled, How to Love Chris Pratt Without Hating Yourself. I read the article, really didn't understand the title to it, but the writer's name was Caitlin Thomas. And she pointed out several reasons why she deems the Guardian of the Galaxy and Jurassic World star problematic and extremely divisive. Thomas writes, It is impossible to ignore some problematic aspects of Pratt's life off screen. Thomas describes Pratt as a, uh, as a privileged, straight, white male and the most divisive actor in Hollywood. A privileged, well, he was raised on a farm. If, I guess he was privileged, amen? amen? But labeled him as a privileged, I thought this was interesting, straight white male. And the most divisive actor in Hollywood. The article calls out Pratt's for comments he made about raising animals for food and being an avid hunter. Do people even know where they get their meat from anymore? This is a quote that Pratt made. He said, they are the happiest lambs. He raises lambs. He said, they are the happiest lambs on the planet and they're so sweet and then one day they wake up dead and in my freezer. <laughs> you ever see the bumper sticker says, I love animals, they taste delicious? 
Well, that really upset this lady. And so the article states that Pratt is a man that has no filter and who seemingly does not even think before he speaks. Kind of sounds like what they say about our president, too. The article, Pratt is very vocal about his faith, his love for family, and his pride in America. Hello. He has crossed a social line with many of his normal day-to-day actions. Do you see how the social line has changed? Pratt was also slammed for being outspoken about his Christian faith at a speech that he made at TV Generation Award Ceremony. And I quote from Pratt. Not, not that I'm lifting him up in any, any way here. I don't know the man. I don't know. All I know is what this article. But this article seemed to fit so well with what God was speaking into my heart. How things have changed. I quote Pratt. This is after receiving his award. He said, I'm going to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you this next generation. And he gave nine rules by which to live your life. And this is what he was so highly criticized for. Rule number two, you have a soul. Be careful what you do with it. Rule number five, do a good deed. Reach out to someone in pain. Be of service. It feels good, and it's good for your soul. Sounds like a good rule to me. Rule number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Rule number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's good for your soul. Rule number nine, No one is perfect. People are going to tell you that you're perfect just the way that you are, but you're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you are willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was given... What that grace was paid for was someone else's blood. The blood of Jesus. Don't forget it. Don't ever take it for granted. And so these articles are written to slam him for his outspoken Christian beliefs. We are living in a post-Christian era. And we are seeing what I believe is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy right before our very eyes. Listen to three passages of Scripture. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, this is very clear, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. Are we seeing that, church? America has changed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 4. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. That's why you have to deny the existence of God so you can live out your own lust. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall be turned away. They'll turn away their ears from the truth, and they will be turned unto fables. They'll believe the lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 3. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by our coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, we know that's the rapture, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us, as if that day of Christ is at hand. Someone had written to the Thessalonian church telling them they missed the rapture. He said, you didn't miss the rapture. Maybe with the attendance today, we've all missed the rapture. I don't know. <laughs> but then he says this, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ, the coming of Christ, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. We are living in that era of the falling away. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. When you get there, say amen. amen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the idea they suppress, they hold back the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was meat. The invisible God. The all-powerful God. The divine God. The creator God. The God that the Bible declares 
exist can be known. We can know him. The Bible says God can be known through our conscience. But the conscience can be defiled. The conscience can become seared. And the conscience can become hardened. Not only can we know God through our conscience, God can also be known through creation. Verse 19 talks about the conscience. Verse 20 talks about him revealing himself in creation. But creation has been explained away through evolution. So I want you to think about it. Sinful man, there's none righteous, no, not one. Sinful man has defiled, seared, hardened his conscience, and has explained away the existence of God and his creation through the acceptance of evolution. Are you all still with me? Now, those of us who believe in God, believe that he is the creator God, we are now belittled, we are scorned, we are mocked, we are considered foolish and ignorant, and yes, divisive. America has changed. It didn't used to be that way. The Apostle Paul said, let no, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. You want to know something? I want to be a fool for Jesus. I don't want to be wise in this world. Forbes magazine says America, Americans are seemingly losing their faith and becoming more like the secular Europeans. Another lens into post-Christian America is a decline in impact of traditional Christian teaching on social behavior. Hartford Institute of Religion and Research. Less than 20% of Americans now attend church regularly. America's changed. In other words, more than 80% of Americans are finding more fulfilling things to do on the weekends than to go to church. Well, I'll tell you how things have changed since I was a child. I can clearly remember my mom and dad going to the store on Saturday or going to get gas in the car on on Saturday, I, we had a Sinclair station in the town that I remember the old dinosaur. And I remember getting getting gas at the Sinclair station because you know what? You couldn't get gas on Sunday. There were no grocery stores open on Sunday. I remember that. See a lot of you nodding your heads. You remember it too. America's changed. Barna Research says three, three main reasons why atheism in America is on the increase. Number one is rejection of the Bible as the Word of God. I think a lot of that has to do with all those versions that are out there and to contradict themselves. And 
That's another subject. Number two, the failure to trust local churches because of church scandals. <clears throat> so we're to blame for a lot of this. <clears throat> Number three is a secular worldview that is reinforced through the public educational system and our current culture. Church Leaders website. Over the past 40 years, almost every mainline denomination in America has reported a sharp decline in their numbers. Southern Baptists are the only denomination who have reported small growth and have attributed their growth to the change in worship style from traditional to contemporary. Articles such as Christianity declining in America, secularism on the rise in America, four reasons for the decline of religion in America, the death of religion in America, U.S. becoming less religious, secular, secularism rising, religion dying, good news for the Democratic Party. The world's newest major religion, atheism, U.S. population becoming more atheistic because of secular humanism. America educational system and the promotion of atheism goes on and on and on. If you have consistently witnessed your faith to unbelievers, I am sure you have come across an unbeliever challenging you and saying, well, prove to me that there's a God. I don't believe that there is. How do you know? Can you prove that there is a God? If there is a God, why do terrible things happen to good people? How many ever heard that one? If there is a God, why do good things happen to bad people? If there is a God, why did he stop all the terrible things from happening in this world? If there really is a God, would he send people to hell? We have all heard questions like this. The skeptics are much like Doubting Thomas who said, Unless I see, I will not believe. Jesus saith unto Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. I've never seen him, but I, I believe in him more. I believe in you. I believe in him. The atheist says there is no God. The agnostic says, we know no one can really know for sure whether there is or whether there is not. So, how do we know that there is a God? How would you answer an unbeliever? Be ready always to give an answer to every man that the reason of the hope that lieth within you. How would you answer someone realizing that America is becoming more atheistic and we're going to be coming in contact in this next coming year with more and more atheists and more and more agnostics? How would you witness your faith to them? How would you seek to bring them to Christ? I think the greatest and most profound question that could ever enter the human mind is, is there a God? 
I mean, what, what question could be more important than that? And man's response to that question. First of all, it will govern the way you live your life. If you really believe in God, and you believe that you are accountable to God, and you believe that one day you will stand before God and give an account of your life, let me tell you, it'll change the way you live. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Why would a person ever deny the existence of God? It's called S-I-N. But we could not overstress the importance of answering that question, is there a God? In the decline of religion and the rise of secularism, we have now seen the acceptance of sodomy. Who would have ever thought? There has always been sodomites. From the earliest writings of Scripture, there's always been that perversion in the world. But the acceptance of it, that which God calls abomination, reprobation, now not only has society accepted it, but even the church is now accepting it. Luke chapter 17, listen to this passage. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat and drank and they married wives and were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. How was it in the days of Lot? Sodomy ran rampant. Sodomy was accepted. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and they did drink and they bought and they sold and they planted and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, the rapture of the church, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Peter said they are an example of all those who hereafter should live ungodly. How in the world has it happened that America and even churches in America have now accepted sodomy? We've denied God and we've denied the word of God. It'll govern the way you live your life. It'll also determine where you'll spend eternity. Your answer about God is pretty important. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful and what? Unbelieving. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. That is reality.
The Bible says the nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. So your answer, is there really a God? The way you answer that will determine the way you live and will determine where you spend eternity. Pretty important. So what are some of the biblical arguments that we could use when we're face-to-face coming up this next year with an unbeliever? What are some of the biblical arguments that we can use to try to convince them to the very best of our ability that there is a God that they are accountable to? There isn't any. Do you know there's not one biblical argument that we could give for the existence of God? God just declares that he is. The scriptures never seek to prove the existence of God. The scriptures just say, in the beginning, God. Seek to prove his existence. In order to justify sin, you have to deny his existence. No God. No accountability, no God, no judgment, no God, I can live however I want to live. Yes or no? Are you all following where we're going today? Is this where we're going as a nation? We've got to be ready to face this in this next year and the years to come unless God sends a sweeping revival to this land. Do you know the name of God appears 3,915 times in the Bible, but he never seeks to prove his existence? The Bible assumes, the Bible declares that God exists. And you know what? I accept that by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens... God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it, not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. He just declares it. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is none else. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. God's word just declares that he does exist. How many have ever heard of the Westminster Catechism? Heard of that? Written back in 1646 by some English and Scottish clergymen. Listen to what they said about God. There is but one, there is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, most pure in spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutability and most righteous will. For his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in mercy and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and with all most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and, and who 
will by no means clear the guilty. That's a pretty good definition of God. So are there any arguments? Is there any way, and, and I'm not, you know, it's only God that convinced someone and move in someone's heart that he exists. I understand that. But if you're being challenged in this, will prove to me that there is a God, what kind of, if the Bible gives us no argument, if the Bible just declares his existence, then are, are there any arguments that we can use to try to reason with someone to cause them to begin to think that, yes, there may be a God? I believe that there is. One argument that you can use is the universal belief argument. The universal belief argument. Do you know that all mankind has some idea of a supernatural being? When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. That argument cannot be refuted, cannot be disproved. It's just a fact. Now, all over this world, man varies in his understanding of God or gods or the name of gods or whoever this supernatural being is. But nevertheless, there remains that idea that there is a God. When Paul, remember Paul in Athens, he said, For I passed by and beheld your devotion. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, who you ignorantly worship. So no matter where you are on the face of this earth, there is that sense that there is some supernatural being. That's why if Barbara Walters is correct in a documentary that she did a few years ago. If she is correct, there are some 10,000 religions in the world. Why? Because God has put it in man's heart that he exists. Now man needs more divine revelation, but God has put that universal belief into man's heart. There's another argument, and I think it's a scientific argument. Cause and what? Cause and effect. Science has proved that something cannot come from nothing. Science has proved that, but science still holds to the Big Bang Theory. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Paul called it science falsely so-called. Everything came from nothing? Really? I came across this. How many have ever heard of Sir, Sir Isaac Newton? He was a British scientist, he was a mathematician, he was a philosopher, 1642 through 1727. Some of you may have met him, I'm sure. But let me read this to you. Sir Isaac Newton made an exact replica of the solar system. I remember seeing that in high school. At the center was a large golden ball representing the sun, and revolving around it were small spheres attached at the ends of rods of various lengths. They represented Mercury and Venus and Earth and Mars and other planets. These were all geared together by clogs and belts to make them move around the sun in perfect harmony. 
One day, as Newton was studying his model, a friend who did not believe in God or in the biblical account of creation stopped by for a visit, marveling at the device and watching as Newton made the heavenly bodies move in their orbit, he explained, my Newton, what an exquisite thing. Who made that for you? Without looking up, Sir Isaac replied, nobody. Nobody, his friend asked. That's right. I said nobody. All of these balls and clogs and belts and gears just happened to come together. And wonder of wonders, by chance, they began revolving in their set orbits and with perfect timing. The unbeliever got the message. It was foolish to suppose that the model merely happened. But it was even more senseless to accept the theory that the earth and its vast universe came into being by chance. How much more logical to believe in the beginning, God. Then there's the argument from the moral nature and conscience of man. Where did man get his conscience from? How did that evolve? Where did we get our moral nature from? How did that happen? Well, we all know that all of us have a conscience, that built-in barometer that tells us that we're doing right or we're doing wrong. Now, I understand you can have a good conscience. The Bible talks about a strong conscience, a pure conscience, a weak conscience, a defiled conscience, a seared conscience. But the fact is, the conscience is never absent in a person's life. Man also has a moral nature about him. He has a sense of right and wrong. I see this many, many times in my dealings with individuals. I will be in the presence of uh, unbelievers who are cursing like a sailor. And then I'll introduce myself as Pastor White. I love it. <laughs> Most of the time they stumble over themselves making an apology for their conversation. Where did they get that moral sense of right and wrong from? Hello? Where? God! There's only one answer. They got that from God because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are law unto themselves, which so the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing them. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. We are creative because God is creative. We are spiritual because God is spirit. We communicate because God communicates. We have intelligence, I think, because God has intelligence. Man is rational because God is rational. Man is moral because God is a moral, holy God. There's also the argument of design. I, um, I have a watch. 
I have had this watch for years. I've had this watch for about eight years. I've never changed the battery, and it's still working. This is a Timex watch. I bought this at Myers. I believe I paid $42 for it some eight years ago. This watch has been with me ever since. This is an incredible watch. Remember the commercial, it takes a licking and keeps on? That is my watch. Now, I've taken the backs off of some watches and I've looked at them and how they, they're pretty intricate of how those watches work. How many of you believe someone designed this watch? Can I see your hand if you believe someone designed this watch? Would you be correct? Would this watch exist if someone didn't design it? It wouldn't exist. Was this watch planned for a specific purpose? What was the purpose that this watch was designed for? Let's look at creation. Whether it's large or whether it's small or whether it's microscopic, it is all designed by an intelligent mind for a purpose. How many have ever watched Planet Earth? Oh, if you have not watched Planet Earth, you got it. You have to get over the evolution of it. But Planet Earth is the most amazing document. I mean, they have documentary after documentary on the Earth and the creatures of the Earth and just how everything works and, in their own words, how it's all designed. I was watching it just early this week. Oh, I had the flu this week. I had two days. One day, I mean, I didn't get off of my couch except to go to the restroom for 24 hours. I was like, I want to die. You ever been there? I want to die. But during that time of being down, I was watching some of planet Earth, and they were showing these amazing creatures. And they kept using this word, designed. This creature is perfectly Designed. Design. I can't tell you how many times in that documentary they use the word design, but they reject a designer. Professing themselves to be wise. What? What is this? It's a hymnal. It's a book, right? How many of you believe someone designed this book for a purpose? It didn't just come together. How about this building that we're in right now? Did someone design it? And then someone built it. How about the meal you're going to have here in just a little while? Did someone prepare and design? How many of you are looking forward to it? But to, leave, to believe that no one created everything? My opinion, that's pretty foolish. And then the last argument I think maybe you can use, and we'll be done with this, I'll, is the life argument. Life comes from life. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Life comes from life. 
original life had to have some source possessing life so it could come into existence. Can I ask you a question? Where can life be found? What is the source of life? Say it. God. For with thee is the fountain of life. You are the source of life itself. Life cannot exist without life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. He is the source of physical life, and He is the source of eternal life. Give me an amen. amen. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Yes, there may not be a biblical argument for the existence of God, because he doesn't seek to prove that he exists. He just says he does. But there are some good reasonings that we can use when we're dealing with an unbeliever. The skeptic may say, prove to me that there is a God. To which I would respond, prove to me that there is not. Amen. Listen to me here. If he's wrong and I'm right, he's lost everything. If he's right and I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. In the beginning, You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.